Hey devs, welcome to the debug log episode number 52. In today's episode, the guys will be talking about procedural generation. We go into what it is, when to use it, and we also go over some of the pros and cons of using a procedural generation system in your game. And stay tuned for a totally non-biased rapid-fire roundup. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Damn it. Right. He's actually at the strip club. All right. All right, You're at the strip club and you didn't invite me? God damn it. <laughs> he just, he says, God damn it. Right. <laughs> right. All right, let's do this real quick. Ready? Yeah. Ready. You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about game development. I'm Zach Schneider. I'm Andrew Curry. I'm Obino Opara. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And I'm Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. All right. So uh, today, it's my turn to pick the episode, guys. Um, I'm going to be talking about procedural generation. Uh, it's a little topical because Andrew and I are actually working on a game right now that uses procedural generation. Uh, but before we get into the topic, I think we need to go into our... Uh, reviews right obina oh yes for sure um sorry uh reviews <laughs> so, yeah, right, so we got a brand new review <laughs> sorry, got you that one. <laughs> the analysis of our up. work yes uh yeah so we got a brand new review on itunes uh, uh <laughs> zach didn't say but these guys these inter- these reviews really really help and we want them to keep coming keep rolling them in uh because again they help us give us this momentum we need to you know keep turning out new episodes and new content um, so anyway, this new review is from Dan015. Uh, title is Excellent, Very Helpful. And Dan says, I listen while driving my truck over the road. It's great and I highly recommend. I'm able to listen six to eight hours a day. That's intense, Dan. Calm down. I recommend it. I don't like myself that much. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing our voice right now. Anyway, um, he went on to say, and then in my off time, learning Unity and visual scripting with Playmaker. Shout out to Playmaker. Keep up with the great work, guys. So yeah, appreciate that, Dan. Um, we hopefully we can keep keep giving you these episodes so you can keep spending six to eight hours of your day listening to our yeah. voices. So. That's a lot of entertainment. That's yeah. a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> and like Obina said, these reviews really help us out. So. Uh, if you haven't already, just go on to uh, iTunes and leave us a review and then uh, delete iTunes, right, guys? Yeah, until uh, well, unless you want to give us another review. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, just change your account or something. <laughs> All righty. Um, so let's get into it. So you have you guys had any experience with procedural generation? What's that? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that, Dad? What is that, guys? <laughs> All right, so procedural generation. Uh, I'm going to throw a big bunch of words out here, but it's a quasi-random world generation uh, based on rules. Not necessarily world generation, but uh, basically anything you're generating, um, uh, at least large amounts of stuff uh, based on a set of rules that you create in scripts. And then it'll, it'll, so you can use it to create entire environments or, or weapon systems or things like that. So it's basically so, parameterized uh, content creation, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, okay. So I guess you have to have a they bunch have, of yeah. different assets and models and stuff like that to combine in your rules. Uh, right? You don't necessarily have to have a bunch. Like, for instance, um, just in the in the model that I'm using right now to, to create the, the game Andrew and I are working on, I think I have five different sets of tiles, and that inc- creates an entire level, right? So it's, yeah. I mean, it's kind of to break it down. It's kind of like the idea of, of picking a bunch of rules and uh, like limitations and generating e- content, whether that's levels, whether that's weapons, whether that's textures, whether that's models, in a way that you what kind of benefits as a as a game developer. Like instead of you cr- spending hours creating it, you can be smart with your algorithms and create them. You know, generate them from scratch and do stuff that would take you thousands of hours to do. Right. Right. Cool. Right. So well, would you guys say? Uh, get, oh, one second, Ovid. Um, that's because in your game it's like a dungeon, so the the tiles are uh, similar. But if you have a game with another type of view, shouldn't yes, you have? Yes. Oh, so, yeah. um, for instance, um, 
Unity actually makes a uh, like a tutorial on procedural generation, and then that one they use well they have like the same number of types of tiles, but they have a wide range of different uh, textures they pick from, right? Okay. So they use this this random number generator to pick from. We're going to say random number generate a lot in this, and it's just basically picks from a set of random numbers, right? So uh, they use that random number generated to basically generate their entire uh, level based on a seed. And a seed is basically a preset set of numbers from the random generator. What's well, like, yeah, a seed is... <laughs> this is getting kind of weird and technical. Yeah. A, seed, a seed is like... Um, Say I want to. I have a random generator, but it, it's like almost like a key. So it's like I have a a seed that is one, two, three, and the the random generator will gener- randomly generate things in a sequence uh, the same way based on that one, two, three. So that means <laughs> you can you can plug the same seed into the same generator and it'll get the same result. It's, it's a way to kind of con- yeah. yeah, you yeah, can conform clearing it over that up, a bunch Andrew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, you started interrupting me. What do you mean? You started uh, a perfect example of this, guys, is so in Minecraft you have seeds, right? So you have one seed that's like Johnny Appleseed or whatever, but basically every time you put this seed in, it generates the same level, right? So it's basically saying, okay, generate this level based on this set of numbers right. which is yeah. identified by this and number so which in, a, is the in seed. a simpler sense think about it this way it's like so you you've got your your seed which is say 5 and every time 5 is entered into this generator see like a factory mm-hmm. then that you know that 5 will generate say i don't know a chair you know so in every generator you put that into if you seed it with 5 it generates a chair right. um you know and mm-hmm. so that's just kind of a way to set up your factory for what it's going to make so just kind of think of it that way it's basically sort of defining the sort of baseline and like how the outcomes are going to play out for that factory so if you put in like if you seeded it with seven maybe you know next time you randomize it may come out with you know a table instead so right and um, that's that's how games like spelunky which is like a cave you know diving game it's a randomly generated roguelike type of game where it's a platform where you go down and people love it but if you play that single player it's just if you die and you finally end up dying you lose all your health It'll randomly generate again, and it's a new dungeon. It's based upon these fragments of levels. But they do a thing called a daily challenge where they you know, introduce a specific seed to the community. So it's, randomly, it's a randomly generated succession of dungeons, but everybody in the world gets to play the same one because it's the same seed. Okay, yeah. okay quick I think, question. I think, a, okay. A quick question, just to, to pause and, and pump the brakes. Uh, Zach, when you were mentioning, I guess the whole purpose of bringing up the seeds was to... Uh, define like that parameterized, you know, when Ryan, you know, defined procedural generation as this random mm-hmm. or a parameterized set of rules that build out uh, content. That parameter in this case would be the seed. Is that what the whole purpose of explaining what the seed was? Um, it, it's the the part that makes it it's the cause. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the the catalyst. <laughs> so you have the the set of rules, which is the same for no matter uh, whether you're you're building level one or level ten. And then you have that number that that seed that you put into it that basically uh, sets the rest of those numbers, right? Yeah, and it's like it's like the offset of the random generator. The parameters you're entering are like the different types of things that you're going to kind of vacillate in between. Like we have a bunch of different tile textures, and those are the things we're going to randomly select. Or we have a bunch of different meshes, and those are the things. Or we're like in No Man's Sky, we have a bunch of different animals and ice conditions on this planet and those are the things we're random and honestly those are the parameters basically yeah and honestly the don't get caught up on like a random number or just pure random generation because a big part of these algorithms and just using this type of content creation is again about the parameterization and sort of the molding of these numbers that you get because i mean if you're dealing with a purely random system it's never going to look great you know right like you know if you just Mm -hmm. take all like i'm just picking random tiles to say create a dungeon floor create a Minecraft world, you could end up with like, you know, wood, brick, water, 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 wood, brick, water, you know, and all of a sudden it just looks, it's noise. It just looks yeah, like a mess. And, and walkable and so, areas. And, yeah, well, and, and, that's, and, that, areas. and so that stuff is like, you know, you need that randomization to kind of like help create a more organic feel. That's what it's going for. But you need to have those parameters to sort of also mold that to where you say like, okay, if I like say I'm starting right off and I've Let's pick water. Water's my first tile. Well, I'm probably going to want to fill out a little water there to make it at least like maybe a little lake or a creek or, you know, maybe it decides like, hey, this is water. So now that it's water, I want to make a river. So if I'm making a river, I need to kind of like spread these tiles 
elongated in a direction, or, and then also maybe apply a little noise with a curve on that. And then at, next to those, I'll start placing land. So you know, the, you have this initial randomization of a selection, but then that selection may lead to you know further extrapolation on what you're currently doing, and could affect you know maybe even the next thing you do. So right. randomization is a big part of it, but it's also what you do with that information after you generate it. Yeah, that's a perfect that's a perfect example because, like you said, it's not about it's not about just randomly generating anything. It's the the skill in this and the art of this art form. It's just like a story or something. It's not about yes telling the realistic story. It's about telling what people will buy in the moment and how that'll work. You know, I mean, it's like working within those clamped parameters, and then that and it moves on from there. And that's like. And that's kind of an interesting topic going into this because, I mean, going to the most recent example is No Man's Sky. I think – do you think guys think that was the one of the big deals? Like people were so pissed at that game. I know there's all these issues and they have YouTube videos and now there's a lawsuit and all this stuff. But their initial things were like every every plant, everything, every so-and-so, every fish, every animal is randomly generated. And I felt like the general public got super excited about that idea. And I was very excited about the game. I thought it looked cool and interesting. But from our standpoint, I was like, yeah, but they've made all those models. I mean, yeah, every animal is randomly generated, but they've made all those animal models. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, or at least the I bits, felt like, yeah. Right, or yeah. like the bits, and it's like it's randomly generating the color, and it might generate the, you know, the weather conditions of certain planets, but every single variation has been handcrafted by them. And I felt like, and I thought that was kind of cool. I thought, like, well, this is fun. This is a cool idea for this indie team to do. But I felt like people thought like some weird magical thing was happening where these worlds were forming and like evolving and stuff. And that's not what's happening. It's, it's creating, it's picking, like you said, it's not just really randomly generating. It's picking from an array of choices, basically. Yeah. And, you know, and again, yeah, some of those choices could affect other parts of the system. Like you mentioned, No Man's Sky. It's like, you know, yeah, it, they created all that themselves sort of in-house, like the different bits and pieces. But say, it, you know, who knows where their their baseline is? It's like they create a planet and the planet's maybe very hot, doesn't have a lot of, say, like foliage or moisture. And like, you know, the system just decides to generate a planet that's pretty much rock. So that may generate a lot of mineral, you know, outposts there just because, you know, that being a rocky planet, it makes sense for that to generate a lot of mineral outposts. But that also might make sense for there not be a lot of fauna there. You know, the animals are just not going to be kind of around, you know. So that's sort of the other aspect of it, too. Right. So that kind of that kind of brings us to the, the point of when to use this this random generation. Never. This Sorry. procedural generation. <laughs> um, so you're not going to want to use this to make – well, you can. Don't let me tell you what you can and can't do. Um, but you're not, not going to want to use this on, like – <laughs> I could be. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Anyways, um, so you're not going to want to use this on like a single level, right? So if you're making just one level, you're not going to want to spend all this time creating all these rules and all these these uh, clamps on your random numbers to just create one level. You don't want to use this system when you're doing something like No Man's Skies when you're making what what was it? Um, how many how many planets did they have in that? Quintillion or something? Quintillion? Kind of oh yeah, yeah I it's think it was like, a, yeah. It was a million to the power of five or something like that. And it's some crazy number. Anyways, so that's when you kind of want to use this this uh, procedural generation when you have to make massive amounts of content that would take an absurd amount of time for somebody to hand make, right? So it, it really you put a little you put a lot of time in on the front end, but after that you don't have to touch it. Once you get those rules really set in and you get your 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 result is. I, I, I'm not going to say completely free of, of uh, defects, but because that's uh, making a system like that takes a really, really long time. Well, it's just like it's just when you want you don't want to use it if you want total control of exactly, laying out yeah. your elements. Yeah, I mean you yeah. could do it to make one level if you don't feel like. I mean, if you're a programmer and you think you have better algorithmic skills than actually you know you want to lay out a level that's really long, but you're never going to have. I mean, I guess you could really get into your algorithm, but you're never going to have complete control and complete customization. If you use it, basically, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think to to Andrew's point, I think another reason you could use it, it may not always be for content that's you know directly going to be inside the game or put in the game. It could be used as a tool uh, to like tool in the sense where it's not a final product, like you know, like No Man's Skies. A lot of the things that was procedure generated just ended up being in this planet, and that's why they haven't explored everything because there's some things you haven't even seen or touched. So it could be just a, a, a jumping off point. So like. It could generate a character for you, and then you could have your artist actually tweak it to something that's actually, you know, shippable. 
quality. So it could just be something that you could use as a tool to generate things that you just, like you, like Andrew said, you just don't want to sit down and handcraft every single aspect of things that you don't really care about, like, you know, the curvature of someone, uh, you know, model's belly or something, you know? So, well, yeah, I like that because you could also use it for something like uh, AI. So if you want to test how your AI reacts in a certain uh, instance, you can create this random uh, procedurally generated world and just throw your AI in there. So, okay, right. go to this random point and see if you can make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a good point. There's also uh, a lot of applications outside of uh, gaming that can, that use this type of stuff. Because, uh, like you mentioned, the AI. I also saw something else where it was examining sort of an evolutionary model for trying to create things. Like, say, uh, I believe it was generating these little cars that would go over these random like two D hilly environments, and it would basically generate a set of them. And whichever one, it would take that one and then sort of iterate, like you know, tighten up the parameters a little on that one, and then see if like it could you know create an you know another few another set based off of that first one that won and then race those. And then it would do this over and over and over trying to explore like, Hey, you know, if I keep refining this model, does it work? Or maybe does it hit like a, you know, a ceiling and I need to introduce like a mutation and sort of randomize things a little more and then go down another branch of evolution with this. So uh, the procedurally generated stuff definitely has a lot of applications. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I, we've already mentioned a few games that use it, like such as Minecraft and No Man's Skies. Do you guys know any uh, um, like other games that use procedural generation? Yeah, I uh, like the I like the examples of ones that because you're like traditionally you think about this as like oh it's generating levels, you know. Like Zach and I, I mentioned last episode before last, we're working on a roguelike, and so that's to generate the le- you know like it's either to generate the levels and what you're going through. But I like games like Borderlands, for instance, which they do it to generate the weapons, you know, that they, they tout that they have like billions and billions of weapons or something in those games where they ran like procedurally generate the different stats where the elemental and then the damage and the range and all these things, they have like base model types, but they do have different aspects to them. So if you get a weapon, you're the only person in the universe that has that specific weapon. And I think yeah. that's kind of neat, you know? Yeah, that's another great example of sort of, like you said, the, you have like sort of the base type, like you had the what, like the Theodores or the Jacobs or whatever. So those, yeah. would, those would have like sort of, a, again, sort of a parameterized sort of category. And, but you're right, like within that, like I may get a Jacobs gun that no one else has because it does this crazy electric damage and all this stuff. But um, yeah, that, that's, that was a lot of fun and a great example of that stuff. Actually, like uh, sort of similar to that, but less gameplay impacting is Destiny actually uses some of it for the, uh, it looks like their ship models. Uh, I haven't like um, actually read up on it, but their ship models seem to be procedurally generated. Like, cause you can just kind of see the different bits and pieces, like the fuselage and jets and stuff, how like different parts snap onto different ships, but have a different texture <laughs> to kind of create like a different look for each person's. Yeah. It's, that, uh, I haven't actually, I, I know they use some sort of, 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 kind of combination thing but I, I know they're all set so i mean they're, it's not real-time uh procedural generation but they may have done that in like the back end and then just kind of like uh no man's skies did so right they used procedural generation to generate all of these worlds and then they save them all right or like we said earlier maybe like maybe they just had like you know the a system set up the artist made all these components and they just mm-hmm. said all right let's randomly generate some and see hey um like, hey, this ship looks really cool. Maybe we'll just give it a name and then throw that in the game. You know, maybe they just use procedural generation as a way to sort of like seed their stuff, but selectively. So, cool. All right. So, why don't we go into some of like the pros and cons of using this uh, uh, procedural generation to really work in your game? Um, it's going to be more, I guess, based on uh, world generation rather than. Um, like a uh, weapon and, and, and weapon features and, and animal creations, just because that's what I've, I've had more experience with in the uh, recent, uh, I guess, times. Uh, but so some of the pros uh, that I really see for procedure generation is really the, the ability to have a different experience every time you play through a game. So particularly in roguelikes, all the levels are created um, different, right? So, you can literally have infinite amount of playthrough, infinite variation um, in your your game without having to go through and create custom make all of those experiences. Yeah, I would say that another one is that uh, it, you can reduce the size of the of the executable of your game. 
Like for example, in in a bunch of uh, mobile games, uh, the whole like um, Temple Runner and just Infinite Runner games. Uh, yeah, Temple Runs went does that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's only um, procedurally generated stuff, so you don't have to have a big executable. You just have to have the parts and then no, build from there. Yeah, yeah, that's the number one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and, and well, I was going to say one of the other ones too that yeah. I like is um, it's not one of the other cool uses for it, like the pro is like um, I mean you can argue if this is procedural generation or not, but they mention it in all the articles about it is when you want to guide your players toward an experience. Meaning, like um, for instance, a lesser experience, a lesser example first is the Left for Dead. They have they have the director, you know. So if you're playing Left for Dead. The encounters and when like a horde comes on you and when a special zombie comes on you and when those things happen, they're randomly generated depending on how you're doing in the game, how your party's doing, where they are, if they're going too fast, if you're going too slow. That stuff gets pro- like gets um, calculated and the, uh, certain sequences and uh, encounters are randomly generated. In the same way with um, Skyrim. Skyrim was so cool about this because they had that, what, I guess, what they call the radiant quest system, right? Where... You could be like, yes, okay, so the, the location in Skyrims are set, and a lot of the, the, the missions are set, you know, in static space across that world. But they would do this thing where the person, like, you know, you'd be running along in the world, and a guy comes up to you and tries to stab you, and you kill him, and you find a note on him. And it's like, oh, my mistress wanted to kill you, and you should go, you know, see her. And you're like, what is that? And that opens a quest. That can happen anywhere. They introduce quests like that all the time if they want to steer you in a certain direction, or it's like you haven't been over to the west of the world, and they, they'll send something or some kind of, or somebody in a bar will mention something to you, and then it'll open it, it'll put it in your log and say, hey, you should go over there. So that's kind of cool. I think that's an interesting use of that kind of, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a dynamic system, but it is randomly generating where the quests happen it's, it's as a way to guide the player's experience and make sure they're always, you know, are engaged and having fun. Yeah, that, I mean, that, yeah, that sounds like a, you know, pretty interesting use of that sort of system is like, like you said, it's like it's crafting experience or it's using a heuristic on player action. It's not like completely random and just parameterized. It's like actually monitoring player action and saying, okay, that's fine. You want to do all this stuff yourself or you, like you said, you want to take your time and left for dead, but you know, we're a fast paced thrill game. Um, so <laughs> or you can't go too fast either. Cause they're yeah. like, oh, you're rushing. We're going to send a thousand zombies on you right now. Yeah, it's like, Oh, hold up, buddy. We got to make you feel like some sort of sense of scared or tension. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great to actually, using that to actually mold what the player feels is pretty awesome. Well, that's interesting because I would have thought that since procedurally generated games are so unpredictable, per se, uh, you couldn't generate like a story or something like that. But, yeah, that's a good point. Well, you make I mean, well, no, no, no. I mean, modular that, enough, yeah. Yeah, and and, and I mean, to your point, Eduardo, that you know, when we get to the cons, that can be a big con of this system. Mm-hmm. Is it like if you're really trying to tell a specific story, you don't want all this random noise, you don't want all this variety, you want to get yeah. your point across. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into yeah. yeah, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but I think I, I just want to mention this one uh, at least, unless somebody else has another one, but. Um, like the the amount of time it takes you to create this this infinite number of levels is really one of the biggest pros for this procedure generation system, especially for programmers, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if you it takes relatively, I'm, and I say relative because somebody can spend a lot of time on another piece, or it could take you a really long time to really make the system that you want. But that one system can make billions of levels. Right, and you don't have to go and handcraft each one of those levels, which is amazing, and it really helps helps uh, save time, especially if you're not a really good level designer or or you just want to like uh, Obina said earlier, you just make something that that's just a tool. So, anybody else have anything else before we move on to the cons? The pros, yeah. So, so we got yeah. I mean, the pros are really like I I mean, it's kind of math in its highest form right mm-hmm. it's like it really is the holy grail of game development if you could i can like i mean the, what the promise of no man's sky and other things where it's like you can generate you know a quintillion planets i mean they could not possibly even try that even though people might say they're all the same and yes that is a limitation that we saw coming with some people you know just general consumer public like yeah 
I thought it was going to be better, but like it, it, it does have the promise of of creating like like for instance like Zach's talking about our roguelike game to generate the thousands and thousands of levels that different people would play based on that what that random generator would pop out. It would take thousands of hours to do that and it would be pointless because it would just be you randomly putting stuff down and trying to, you might get nice handcrafted levels but for certain type of game certain types of games and certain types of games especially that are based on systems like roguelikes or like you know like door fortress is the big example of this you know like those games because they're so systematically based you can you can rely on heavily on uh, procedural generation because that creates a world that you it would take forever to create, just like you said, Minecraft. Zach. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to the cons. We've already touched a little bit on the on the fact that having these these handcrafted uh, levels and these handcrafted stories are are something that you kind of miss out with these procedural generated. Not necessarily all the time, because I've seen some uh, procedurally generated uh, worlds in, in games. That, that do a really good job of still incorporating a narrative, but it is, uh, I, I think a little bit harder cause you don't have that, that, um, uh, hundred percent control over the player experience. Right. So say you need this player to, uh, go through this certain hallway before they reach, uh, this main boss. You can't really control that as well as you can with those handcrafted levels. So I, I think that's one of the, one of the bigger, uh, issues faced with people creating these procedurally generated worlds. Um, yeah. So. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, when you, when you talk about it in a level sense, it's yeah. Anything like anything where you're trying to like really tell a story, really having want control of something, it starts to sort of lose its steam. You know, like, like if you had a game, say like, I don't know, like a competitive, a competitive game of any sort, you know, random, like procedural, procedural generation just doesn't really seem to fit. Right. Cause it's like, right. you, you know, like how would you do like League of Legends or like Heroes of the Storm or Quake Arena or something like that with procedurally generated levels? It's like, nobody knows what they're getting when they go in. Eh, that could be interesting, but generally speaking, you want to like have a set arena, like in sports, the arena is set and you want to sort of like play within that and sort of know it because that's a whole other level of knowledge, right? Is actually knowing the play field. So anytime like something like that comes into play, procedural generation kind of like, you know, it kind of falls off as something that looks appealing. And again, usually for this type of stuff too, you're not creating again, like thousands of levels or wanting a lot of stuff to do. It's like, you're specifically targeting, you know, a few different levels or areas that you want the players to really, you know, absorb and have a knowledge of. So, uh, yeah. about that I've actually just recently watched a video on YouTube I'm actually trying to find it right now but it's uh, it's basically to break it down is it's, it is procedure generated and where it places objects in this arena so the arena itself isn't procedure generated but everybody so it's, it's a multiplayer uh, like PvP game where everyone is a box right the cardboard box and there's cardboard boxes everywhere and those cardboard boxes are, I, I believe, placed uh, procedurally. And it looks, I mean, it, the game looks awesome. But the very fact that you, this whole arena kind of changes and you don't know how the, how everything's set up is actually one of the main features of the game. All right, I got I to well, see this. Because you just described randomly generated cardboard boxes as amazing. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> I'm oh. telling you right now, you're like, this is super stupid. But then you watch it and play it and you're like, work. holy shit, somebody's yeah. sitting still well, and you can't distinguish them from the other boxes. Well, this oh, kind of t- okay. There you go. That's a key component of the gameplay. Is you're all hiding in boxes, I guess. This Metal Gear Solid box edition or whatever. <laughs> it, it, like, is, it is super cool. I yeah, was like, like, this is gonna be stupid. But I feel like was- this is like this kind of ties into just even the the weird spectrum of game development. I think we talked about this that in our scope episode, the content versus gameplay. It feels like in the types of games you can make. Sometimes this might be like reductive, you know, to put in these terms. But it feels like pure procedurally generated just a randomly generated game with rules or whatever randomly generated too that's i mean that's hyperbolic but let's just say that and then on the other side of the spectrum we have a movie right where you have no interaction and it's a movie you're watching and so if like you said ryan like sometimes you're trying to sell a specific story that's always the battle it's like it's a bioshock game they have a specific story to tell 
and people get kind of, or Mass Effect, you know, for instance, they have all these choices and they try yeah. to give you choices and then people get pissed off at the end of Mass Effect 3 when it's like, well, my choices didn't mean anything. And it's like, well, then they have the problem. It's like, but we have the story we're trying to tell. And I was like, and sometimes the people was like, well, the sto- the choices can only add up to trivial conclusions because we're trying to tell a story. And that's kind of another holy grail. Like even, we, I mentioned Bosch, but Ken Levine, after Bioshock Infinite, they kind of broke up the studio, but they're still irrational. They only have like 30 people. And I think he's trying to work on that crazy promise of like a modular story driven game where it can be a story game, but be mo- like, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a weird thing that's never been really kind of accomplished except for maybe in text adventures or something. But like you said, like when you have a game that it has assets, it's like a Mass Effect game where you can't change the ending randomly. Like we created this entire weird, you know, alien ship at the end what if they decided just to go into the pond it's like no we have this ship what do you mean like we have to go there and they're the, the end of the game is there so it's like it, it just depends on like it, it is always that bout of when you want to use it and if you really got have to tell a story and a lot of games like like all the, the some of the games that are most popular and sell the most are much more on rails and you'd like to think what is that they showed that a couple years ago that playthrough of call of duty with a person not even shooting and they almost got through the entire game like an easy because everybody was shooting, you know. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. those games are and those games are cinematic experiences, and you go into even high to even more uh, advanced examples of that, where games are quick time events, where you're just hitting a button and it's you know actioning out stuff that's already predetermined, and you're just kind of watching a movie. It, the procedural generations on the other end of that when you get to much more systems based games and that's why but people like that and that's goes the we didn't really mention in the pro of that is you can make creative based games that's why people love minecraft because it is an open world and the systems are so cool and so interesting that you can interact, interact with that so i think it's a spectrum you know hey, and it's it's playing with that spectrum i've got a i've got a quick question a quick musing you cuz you guys have mentioned a couple of games uh i think andrew was talking about uh skyrim and how they did uh, those dynamic quests, and then Zach mentioned that cardboard box game. Um, so it's called, it's, for the, the record, quest. it's called What the Box. So What, what the Box. The That's box. good. Yeah. So, so you guys All mentioned right. these games and these systems, <laughs> and then you really had me thinking, I'm like, what do you guys literally consider procedural generation versus either A, dynamic content, or B, just pure randomization? Because the cardboard box, if I were to implement that, I could implement that in any scene in Unity and just say, oh, this is just randomized box placement. What like, what do right. you guys consider as procedural generation versus just randomization? And because, I mean, you could still have, sorry to cut you off, but you <laughs> could still have randomization with order. You know, it could be ordered randomization. Well, like that's, but that's, that goes into less semantics of what it is. I mean, if I, if I define rend, uh, procedural generation, it's there's a procedure, which is a heuristic, which are rules, and then we're going to generate content that we're not creating ourselves. Like, we don't know, like, it, it starts bending and getting kind of weird, like yeah. you said, like Skyrim, that quest system. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know that that quest system would pop up there. They're not planning that. It's just happening. So it's like, there is a weird, you so know, it's like fine more mem- membrane between dynamic unplanned. and procedural. You know, like, unplanned I don't know. dynamic content? It's, it's a... You could call well, it rule-based yeah. dynamicism. Well, is that the same yeah. thing, too, well, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you have to, like, I think a big part of it uh, is having a model. Like it's not just randomization, you know, or it's not just it being, you know, a procedural thing. There's That's all true. you also have a model for it. Simulation like it's not kind of chaos, thing. it's mm-hmm. organized chaos. Yeah. So you know you want this to happen. You want the player to do these things or see these things or get these weapons. And you know you want that, but you don't necessarily want to have an exact outcome for it all. But you you do know you want to filter them down that way, and they'll be surprised, and you'll be surprised. But it works within the parameters of the system. So, so I, I feel like for me, it's not just like I, like randomly placing boxes. Yeah, that's that is procedural, as in you ran a function to say generate a random coordinate, place a box. Yay, move on. So you mean you, but you, you actually, did a procedure? <laughs> yeah, you so, did a procedure so yeah. literally. To but that, I mean, to that point, I think it then, needs to be go beyond that and say you need to have an idea for what you want, and then have your procedural generation fit that model of the idea. So. Like, like the fact that you want those boxes to be either on the ground or on top of another box, right? Yeah, or in the Minecraft example, I'm trying to generate like a biome here. I need, I need like reasonable looking land masses and water and you and, know. And sky I think it's sometimes like it's less random and less crazy, like you said, Ryan. You have to limit it, and people think. I mean, because it's literally like. 
it's like dealing a deck of like dealing a hand of five cards. Like the procedure, like the clamping of that is that you have 52 cards, mm-hmm. right? And then you're going to get five cards based on what's in that deck, but it's a factorial, you know, when you, when you do those odds of what, you know, the one times 51 times 50, 50 times 50 times 49 times 48, 47, those are crazy odds just on those tiny set of parameters. So, right. I mean, I say I'd, like I'd that. I'd even go, I'd even go one step past that and say it's not just like randomly dealing cards. That's still random, you yeah. know, but you'd say I want the player to experience maybe at least one face card per hand. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's that's like, true. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you know say I mean? about this. So, For, so that's you have the a procedure. Model, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. you have a model, like, and a lot of games are doing this, uh, and this is my argument, not a really argument, but a kind of, I just want us to have this discussion because it's kind of interesting. But like, if I'm, awesome. if I'm making a loot tables for my game and I just say, okay, you know, in level one, you're going to drop a, a gold chest or drop, you know, some epic sword and then maybe 50 gold and, you know, some shillings or something. I don't know. But anyway, you set up these loot tables for every level. Um, is that, you know, the fact that you, you, you plan for a loot to drop, you plan for maybe one gold drop box to drop and, and one sword to drop in level two, is that a model that you set? And could you effectively call your game procedurally generated loot and then just well, have that tagline? Yeah. Um, well, that, that's an interesting argument. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I like my knee jerk is like, no, I don't, I don't think I'd say that because loot tables have been around forever and nobody's been calling that procedural generation. Yeah. That's more of like a mapping per level or per data set per area. But, you know, that's where it does get sticky because I could see how, you know, what I said previously about, you know, having a system that generates based off a model. I mean, that does fit into that definition. So, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's almost like it, tough. It's, yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, this is just totally my biased opinion. Like, it's almost like if, I don't want to pre-program in everywhere that loot can appear, and I just would rather generate that like with an algorithm. To me, that's procedural generation. Well, that's what, you know what loot I mean? drops like, usually are, though. You usually yeah, just... I know, and I, but but to me, that's what I think of. I mean, I, okay. I never write. And it's, like I said, it's all a spectrum, I guess, of you know how extreme you get with it. But. Gotcha. Yeah, and like, at what point does it becomes just just salesmanship? Like again, like yeah, the loot drops are procedural generation, and like. That's been happening since, you know, MUDs and EverQuest and, you know, whatever these, you know, name an RPG, yeah. you know, but they never really pitched it as that because like, well, that's just makes sense because based on your level, based off of where yeah. you are. It that's just, what I'm saying. I put it know, on intention. Like I intentionally put this yeah. treasure chest here with something or I don't know where that's going to end up. That's where I put yeah. the definition. And honestly, I, I, you know, I feel it's become a buzzword too for just like, we got a lot of shit, you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's like... You know, we're going to come at you with, you know, some unfathomable number of things, like a quintillion amount of planets, and that's going to be the sales pitch for content. Now, you've got a quintillion amount of planets. It's like having a quintillion amount of, uh, you know, cheeses arranged on the plate. I mean, it's But they really need to see the parameters of that, and if yeah. that's interesting or not. That's really the study, and that's why people, like, you get a backlash against No Man's Sky, because, like, yeah, but it's like the same planet, and it's just icy, and this one, and this one's hot, and this one's acidy, and this one has dinosaurs, but this one has birds. It's like, yeah, but that's what it is. I don't know <laughs> what you wanted. I was like, that's... Right. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I, I get you, but and that's kind of one of the cons of it, too, is it kind of leads to that type of thing where... Um, you know, you're actually after a while. Yeah, it's it very cookie cutter, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm just looking at the same thing with a bunch of you know, sort of slightly very different variations, but the overall gameplay is still the same tedious. And you're thing, gonna miss you know? that idea of walking on that planet and seeing this crazy fucking monument that somebody put there and an artist made intentionally for that spot with this crazy mystery and story element that was put there for that moment. You're gonna miss that because it's just, oh, there's another pterodactyl. I'm sorry. Here it is. Here's another weird. He's purple this time. Sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like that. That's the thing. I think those. Are, that's kind of. A, to me, it's all about intention. You know, how much really you want to handcraft into guiding sometimes. But I mean, I guess I don't know. You could argue that the algorithm is intentional yeah, too. Yeah, you I don't couldn't. know. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, it's well, all no, semantics <laughs> now. <laughs> cool. Um, so just to, I guess, round up the, the cons, I think the, the two that I have to mention are it's, uh, it is relatively expensive in dev time, uh, in, in programming time. Uh, I mean, it, it, it can be actually less than it would be if you were actually making a custom level, but to do this type of work, it is, is, uh, pretty expensive to make a, a really good system. Uh, and that is a system that works 99% of the time. Um, 
without any any real big errors or, or corridors that lead to nowhere or things like that. Those are those are some of the things that take a, a little bit longer, and it's also relatively hard to do. Um, to to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to make this system and it's going to be right 99% of the time is hard to do. Um, especially if you're having sometimes, yeah, yeah, especially if you're having the, these complex levels like with doors and corridors and and levels and different like heights and things like that, it can get really really hairy with the number of rules you have to add in there. Yeah, weird um, anomalies that you didn't expect sometimes. Yeah, I, and I, in designing the one that, that Andrew and I are working on, I, I had really weird, specific uh, bugs that I, I just couldn't have thought of had I not just made something and it started working and then seen it do some weird things. I'm like, I never thought that was possible. Uh, but, it, I mean, it, 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 it's a bag of worms, I'll say that. Well, it's satisfying though too, though because you. I mean, it, it's kind of worrying because you don't know about those cases, but when you find them, you can logically work out why that's happening because it's all mm-hmm. rule based. You're like, oh, I see what's happening because it said put a door on that guy's head sometimes when he's on the left side of the room, and that's not right. So let's change that. You know, that's it becomes kind of a fun puzzle to solve, but it is it's worrying to know that because there are infinite possibilities, there could be infinite weirdnesses going on in the game that you can't mm-hmm. account for. Yeah. And I, I've run into several spots where I just, I couldn't figure out what was going wrong. And I had to take a, take a step back and really look at, at, at not just the code, but just look at the level and kind of figure out how I can identify why this one piece is here and even make a custom rule to figure out how to make that one piece not show up there anymore. So it may show up in the, the generation that I run through another set of, of uh, algorithms that actually remove that one piece. Uh, weird instances like that that really kind of make you pull your hair out. Um, <laughs> but I mean, th- I say that as a con, but actually I that is something that a- as a program I really like. It's a problem I can work through and there is a solution for um, so I, I really yeah. actually enjoy that in a procedurally generated world. Yeah, so. you, gotta, you gotta look at the flip side of that though, where you could have just said, told the artist, "Hey, I don't want that there because that doesn't work." So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but you have it, to yeah, go through and figure take, out how to remove yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. You're chasing um, the ghost in a machine versus telling somebody, "Don't do that." So. Yeah. So I thought we'd go through just like a, a not a tutorial, but a, a, like a basic on how to how to really make your own uh, procedurally generated game. Um, or, or world. And one of the first steps that I took was to actually make one handmade map. And this was, uh, I mean, it was relatively easy to make the map, but to figure out what I needed to do to make that happen in code was a lot more difficult than I initially thought it was going to be. I was like, Oh, well it's easy. I'll just make corridors. They'll go off in specific directions and make another room and make another room. But then you get to the point where you're like, wait a second, I have this corridor facing off into nowhere and it's the last one in my array and I have no room at the end. Oh wait, I need to make it so I have an odd number of rooms and an even number of corridors or something like that so that I always have one at the end. Um, but just making that, that set map uh, that you just kind of look through and look for the rules that you have um, or the rules that, that make that map what it is and then go off of there and start uh, really kind of trying to code it up. And so you kind of have to make those, those uh, you have to kind of, I'm not gonna, I don't know how to say it, but get your rules from that map and then put them in. So things like uh, number of doors you want to have per room, the size of the room, the, the resource distribution in those rooms, all those things that you want and think of the rules that generate those in those specific instances it's like then, it's like yeah. It's like solving for an equation. It's like x equals this room, and you're mm-hmm. like so. Then you have to solve for the other side of that equation, like transfer everything over yeah. to the other side. You know, and honestly, right. yeah, I think they, then, I think it's where that like actually having a, a idea in your head of designing a model for something. It's like like you said, sketch it out. What do you want? What does the structure of it look like? You know, what does the general sort of superstructure that holds it up look like? You know, and like when you get that sort of ideal idea. I guess the idealization of a level or a gun or whatever it is and saying, this is kind of how I want this to play out. It's like, that's how you should probably 
I think attack this first. You know, you know, code can come a little after that, but just sit down and like even maybe sketch out like, hey, what do I want this to even look like? Because until yeah. that's until you do that, your your algorithms are just going to be shooting in the dark. And it, so you you kind of need to have that like sanity baseline first, like Zach was saying. Yeah, and you'd One be surprised those, how much like how the simple how simple rules can affect huge systems though too. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like especially like the road we're making and they're cell based, so it's like two D cell based and it's easy. But like, but but just the powerful thing. What is it? The Conway's game of life. You know, it's that weird like that oh, automaton yeah. cellular automaton thing where you can generate these weird types of evolutionary mm-hmm. patterns and all these different types of creatures that he observed because they are. Because it's just a simple set of rules. Like in this cell, if like this cell is next to this cell, it'll do this. If this cell is next to this cell on its upper side, it'll do this. And if you do that, just a very simple set of – that's the power of this procedural generation of just this – of algorithms is that with just a simple base set of rules, you can create com- really complex systems to scale, which is interesting to observe. Yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the things that um, – that w- I'm not going to say help me, but it made it a little bit easier was actually once I had this handcrafted level, once I kind of divined my rules that I had from it, I used those and I coded them up and I just made it right. So I made the system that actually did this and then I just put a whole bunch of random numbers into it and random seeds and just saw what happened and just kind of watched it mess up. Right. So Every time it messed up, I go, okay, well, why did it mess up here? Why did it mess up here? And then kind of figured out the rules that actually made like, that culminated into that uh, that specific instance or the the instance that I wanted to avoid. Um, and then tried to code around that and try to figure out the solution. And so really coding in that cyclical cycle, well, that was, that was redundant, but uh, in that kind of cyclical pattern really helped me to really uh define this whole system yeah cool yeah um what was oh yeah and uh another tip that i have actually is uh using like serialized fields for a lot of my variables right so um say i have a room size and actual array size for the entire map i can go and change those and then reload the map and ma- like say I made a little GUI that said basically reconstruct the map and then I can oh, change those. Good. Yeah. I made those variables in the serialized fields. So they show up in the inspector and I say, okay, well, instead of having my room size be 12 or around 12 between 12 and 15, make it between 12 and 20 and see what happens. That's and- a good point. If you're making that, if you're making this is like procedure generated with parameters, like make those parameters serialized fields so you can actually, mess with them and play with them right that's yeah. a good point it, it it really kind of pushed the whole system to the limits because you find that like certain numbers really can't be too high so for instance if i have 100 by 100 grid that i'm making my map on and i have 20 rooms i can't have those rooms be bigger than say 10 units or else all of a sudden everything is just a big room yeah so, that's cool certain things that that you really kind of like un unintended rules kind of happen in that situation. And it's kind of uh it's really interesting process. That's fun nerdy programming stuff. Oh, it's it fun, really I is. think. I love that stuff. Yeah. That's good. So I mean <clears throat> all in all, I I think procedural generation really has its place in its 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 use case. Uh not everybody's gonna use it. Um but I mean, if you do find yourself in a, in a situation where you can use uh, procedural generation, um, I, I recommend that you do because it's a very, very interesting thought experiment and really, really fun exercise to do. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's one of those things where you know, yeah, make sure it's the right thing for you though, because I mean, it's like with any of these, you know, game. Um, sort of tools or methodologies or ideas it's like you know make sure it works for the system you're building because Mm -hmm. you know not everything needs to be procedural not everything needs to be in vr not everything needs to be like haptic or whatever you know it's like name you know whatever is kind of hot or whatever you know thing people are talking about um you just make sure it works for you so to what you're saying is we live in a random world where life is meaningless (laughs) yep no (laughs) Wait, oh God, I feel so bad now. <laughs> Wait a second. 
Alright, so I think next we have Rapid Fire Roundup, but before that we'll take a little break and we'll be back. Alright, we're back. It's time for Rapid Fire Roundup. That was the laziest pew pew ever. Well, I'd started it and nobody (laughs) You got all shy. (laughs) All right, tonight we have one story. This might be a controversial story. We're going to talk about it. It's our dear friend Palmer Lucky, the guy that he graced our Facebook banner at one time. When the the uh, issue of Time came out, uh, talking all about right, VR yeah. and he had that crazy, <laughs> stupid pose, we put it all over our Twitter and Facebook. Palmer Lucky has been getting a little bit of hot water lately. Um, I, I guess this is a couple of weeks ago now, but in America, if you were, I know half of the people listening to this are uh, in other countries, but I, of course you guys might know the craziness that's going on with our election right now. Um, Pray for us. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> you might be laughing at us, so don't be, please. We're be. laughing at ourselves at this point, <laughs> Jesus. But uh, Palmer Lucky, who is the young, you know, mid, early 20s and uh, founder of Oculus, right? He didn't really invent the technology or make it and do that stuff, but he founded that company and started the Kickstarter and got people to help him out. Um, it turned, and he sold, ended up selling the Facebook was it two billion? Was that what he sold it to? Yeah, I think so. Four yeah. billion, two billion, something two, like that. Two. Half of what Star Wars was. God, come on. But like, um, okay, so it, it turns out this week, the Daily Beast posted this article where, and it, where he was apparently he was funding this company, like this Nimble America group, which is posting what they call it is sh- quote unquote shit posting, right? Where they post these kind of weird memes and kind of memes that are kind of against. Hillary Clinton and other people, and it's they're they're pretty much like pro Trump kind of things. So uh, I wanted to like kind of preface this discussion, saying we're not going to really take a political angle on this. People have different political views. Whatever you want to think, I will admit I'm a liberal. I think Trump's crazy ass. I'm not going to get into that. If you want to think he's fine, that's fine. If you want to vote for Cheeto Gerbil, that's fine. But if you want to be wrong, that's fine. But that's I'm just saying, saying I'm not. I, I I'm not interested in getting into the political side of this. That he's for Too bad, You already did. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, not right? just, no, no, no. I'm just saying that's my opinion. But I'm just saying. I just want to throw my punch and walk away. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. I will throw my punch. Well, this is who I am. You can not follow me on Twitter or whatever at the end if you want to. Anyway, go ahead. But anyways, what I think was interesting about the story is that he can vote for Trump. He can do all that stuff. Who cares? There's, I mean, people would kind of – the CEOs of all these companies are conservatives and Republicans. People, you know, a lot of times – who knows what people's political things are? That's your right to be personal, just like religion. I don't. I respect that. But the more of this issue is that he was supporting this group and kind of a real, like, he said he gave $10,000 to it, that was, like, kind of just promoting this kind of really negative kind of uh, propaganda. There was also the two other people that were kind of, that started this company with him were, like, basically, they call themselves white nationalists. They're white supremacists, almost, basically. So that's more what I'm talking about. Not what he cares about who he's voting for, because he came out with a statement and said, well, I'm actually voting libertarian. I only gave them $10,000. But it's like, but you still gave this company that is kind of objectively giving kind of crappy... It's just, they're putting negative stuff out in the world, and that's what I have a problem against. Wait, they're white nationalists? I didn't know it was that. Yeah, the people, like, I don't want to get into it. But yeah, but like the people, it's like that Milo Stapanopoulos guy. Who I don't want to get into it. It's all that alt-right kind of bullshit that's going on right now. It's all oh. bullshit. It's all bullshit. But what I'm saying is, it's interesting because a lot of the game development, I would say that leans more heavily liberal than conservative, right? It's entertainment, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you could say it's a liberal conservative like conspiracy, whatever it is, but... It's interesting now we see the the reaction of some of these companies, you know, because these companies, it, it, it like kind of understandably puts a bad taste. It put a bad taste in my mouth and it puts a bad taste in people's mouth that have committed to Oculus as partners, even though he might not have a big uh, uh, aspect and a part of this company now as he did, you know, because they sold it. And so what do you guys think? Because I know there's like Insomniac put out a message out and there's – uh, Super Hypercube, this game that's coming out, this really kind of touted VR game, they pulled all their Oculus support, and that's happened across a lot of indie games now. They're pulling their Oculus support because he, they don't feel comfortable with this. So what do you guys think just as 
not thinking about this politically. I mean, I guess it has to bring. Yeah, I think that it's in, hard to do without. It's, it was hard. Yeah. It, it, it is a personal decision well, too. But just if you had a company and you were kind of putting off, how did? What do you guys think about that? That kind of reaction. That well, decision? for me. Well, yeah, I think I, I, I think would it, have to it's, say. Whoa, whoa, guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I defer to the gentleman from California. Oh, you're both All from right, California. Well, we both work from California at this point, but Abina, you go ahead and then I'll go after you. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think the response made complete sense. I think, uh, I think that's just generally how companies and, you know, products and individuals work. Uh, you know, especially when you have a face of a company, uh, they represent whatever that company stands for, whether they're, you know, retired, whether they move on, whether they, you know, take a back seat when, as far as like running the company goes, if they're still in that, you know, still have uh, some ounce of that light left, they're going to have a, you know, kind of a, a hold on that image. So I think it does affect them, whether he, he knew he knows it or not, whether he thought it was funny, whether he thought it was cool and just something cool to do or funny to do, whether he's, I mean, he's, cause that's what his like excuse or his, you know, I think he said, he was like, I just thought it was a funny joke. I just thought these were funny memes. But, you know, you know, who yeah, you're funny. Yeah, but then it came out against that. He said, like, I didn't do, I wasn't a part of that. But then, yeah, it gets into the weird thing because there's, like, emails saying, like, showing that he was a part of it. And he's kind of lying in his statement. And you're like, oh, good. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's just, it gets nasty. Yeah, exactly. See, so I, I, that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, Amina. Finish, yeah. You finish, Amina. Oh no, I was just saying, yeah, I think I think it's it 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 got kind of goes hand in hand and I think pulling out of like pulling that sponsorship, pull you know, it happens to everyone that's in a high profile. You like athletes, you know, uh no matter who you're dealing with, it happens uh where you you do want to pull that support and not want that to be tarnishing your brand as well. Um so anyway, I don't know if I So you're just saying like no, you no, think no. If, if you're personally if your mission statement you believe in it. It makes sense to you. Yeah, yeah I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Well, right. yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, you know, the guy's entitled, obviously, to donate and believe what he wants. You know, that that's that's his thing. You know, give to them. They can do what they do. And I mean, But he's got to realize, too, there's going to be repercussions to that. And that's not to say he shouldn't do it either, though, because, I mean, it's like if you've got money, you want to invest it for a cause – you know, there's going to be But is that a cause and worth? Like, that's not. It's different if he was just like, oh, I just want to contribute to campaign. He's contributing well, okay, to these people okay, that yeah. are. Here, like, here's the dividing objective, line for me. like kind of objectionable. You know. Yeah. Well, here's the dividing line for me. Is he? He just like starts to play it off. He's like, oh, this is a joke. I thought it was funny. Blah blah blah. Well, that becomes a little more like blasé and sort of like, well, dude. If you're just gonna like contribute to some trolling organization that right. like you think is funny and believes what you do too, I mean, believe what you want to believe. Donate to the campaigns that are gonna get your ideas done. But if you're just gonna do that for a lark, and then you're gonna piss people off, and you and, have to know that they're gonna like people are gonna like well, pull their money out from underneath you. And, if that, you're and that's do the that, thing too. So. It's like it, to me, it's not. I mean, I have political motivations under it, but even I can separate myself from that. It's more about this thing being. The thing he was contributing and the thing that they were pushing and put so much money into. Well, they're true. Yeah, absolutely. It it goes because whatever side of the aisle you're on, whether you're Republican, conservative, crazy, whatever, whatever you are, it's like it 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 like degrades a national discourse that we have because that's the problem. We have we've lost civility, we've lost an ability to talk to each other, and now we're just throwing insults back and forth, and it's horrible. And to me. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, the, the problem with this thing is that it could have been – if it's pro-Hillary or it's pro-Trump, it's that it's contributing to a thing that is just pu- pushing shit out into the world. Yeah, That's yeah, my problem yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Like, so – I so yeah, you said I, you, yeah, you said you weren't going to get political, but I think your response was the most political out of all three of ours. <laughs> Just so you know, well, it's, well I'm, I'm anti-pushing shit out yeah, of the world. That's and, true. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like I, I agree with you completely. Maybe, but it's you also took a stand. Maybe one candidate pushing more shit. shit out in the world so. than another one is. That's what I'm saying. So, anyway, all right. Now it's no, time for game of the week. Stop right. trying to dodge it. No, go back. Let's go back. No, <laughs> All right, Zach, what's your game of the week? All right. Everybody's going to roll their eyes, but uh, game of the week is Destiny. Oh, so Des- <laughs> Destiny came out with a new expansion called Rise of Iron, and I have been playing too much of that again. 
You're not uh, the only one. Like, like everyone in our like, office yeah. is playing it religiously too. So yeah, there's a bunch of horny robots in the game. So <laughs> Wait, what? I missed that part. <laughs> it's called the Rise of Iron Man. Just Come on, it's like a bunch of horny robots. Right I, I don't <laughs> get it. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> what? It's called I, Rise I, of Iron. Okay. I, I don't. Can you explain that part to me? I don't. I, don't I just did. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they just released this. This is, I think, going to be their last. Uh, big content release before uh destiny 2 so uh it, it came with a, a whole new raid and a whole bunch of new missions um but yeah i've i've actually been enjoying it. i know ryan's played a little bit of it what do you think of it ryan i mean it's it's pretty fun so far but it's you know honestly the content up you know it's it's, it's more of the same but it's it's very polished. It's you know mechanically very fun. Um, you know it's 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 Bungie at their best. You know I I, I look forward to seeing what Destiny 2.0 is because I I kind of feel like you know with a lot of these updates from Destiny it, it's like they've got their B team working on it and that's not to say they're not doing good stuff but it's like that they're you know the secondary to making Destiny 2 which is well they pushed hey, back let's re- Destiny 2 this year because they said they couldn't finish it so they put this out basically right. Right, right, right. And and what I mean by that is like this team is the one that has to deal with like, okay, well we can't really create new like types of enemies or, you know, you know, new worlds or a new planet. We just gotta like sort of reskin everything and call it the taken now. Because they have this shader on them. You know what I mean? And like, oh, these guys are SIVA infused, but it's the same fallen, the same um you Divia? know, hive and Siva. Siva. S- nah. S- Stavia, yes. It's a it's a it's a natural no cal sweetener and um, <laughs> they've been using a lot of it and it turned them red for some reason. I don't know. Um, but no, it's like one of those things where, you know, they're definitely working within sort of a budget, it feels like, but it's good stuff, you know, and granted they did you know, the Plague Lands is the Cosmodrome, but you know, snowy, but it's it, it works and it's fun. And um I'm enjoying it. Um, I hear the. Uh, what do you think of the raid, Zach? Because I hear that's one of the best ones they've put out so far. So, oh my god, have you tried I it yet? Play it. No, I have not okay. yet gotten into there. Uh, well, I'm you're not talking to a few hundred people. Solicit some people. For yeah. Raid, so I mean, Zach. hey, if you want to play Destiny and you're on Xbox One, my uh, username is Wookie Jumpers. So. Spell it right too. W o o k i e e Jumper J u m p. E-R. Wow, you no, literally no, so made a shout-out for your raid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, totally going to get a crap load of, like... Well, well that'll not. be good. That'll be I'll good. You'll get jumped. Yeah, dude. You get a gang yep. going. Yep, so... Um, but I have watched uh, a ton of YouTube videos on the raid, and it looks like it's very uh, uh, mechanically oriented. So you really have to do things in jumpy certain jump, orders. Jumpy and, jump parts? No, less less jumpy jump parts and more of uh, like teamwork. So everybody's got a, got their thing to do. Or every, every group of people has their thing of link to do. So it's Ouch. it looks very interesting. So alone. Yeah, I actually recently just got my friend hooked on it. So he's he hasn't... I, th- I don't think we've played games together since Halo. But we started playing this, and he's like, "Dude, whoa, this is whoa, you just got like- another friend besides the four of us." Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm seeing someone else now. Well, you know, your sock puppet is fine. It's cool. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> oh, god. All right. Let's it's take a this dual home. purpose sock puppet. Okay, <laughs> and on that note, I think, uh, yeah. I think it's time 33%. to thirty-three percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before Obina's computer dies, I think that's he's been updating us. Like Eduardo, talk about the talk about the Facebook group. Uh, yeah, we have a Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> wake up, man! Yeah, oh man, I have to wake up. This this house is killing me. Um, yeah, so house if you want to join, a lot to do. spooky house, yeah. haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> So, guys, um, we have a, a Facebook group called the Debug Lounge. So, if you want to join, just um, request join on, on Facebook or join our um, The Loop, our uh, newsletter, and I will add you. So, it's, it's a really nice community. I love it. And people um, comment to, to uh, answer questions or just to... Uh, ask for feedback about their games uh we have the screenshot saturdays so so you have some uh buzz for your game if you're going to release it so it's, it's a pretty cool community I, I like it a lot so giant right on all right i think that's it 
That is it, folks. And with our with our political discussion tonight, we will say, no matter what you think, go vote if you go live vote, in the United yes. States. That's the biggest thing. Absolutely. I will open it up yeah. to everybody. Your vote <clears> overturns. But like what I'm saying is, just vote. <laughs> Whatever you do. But if you don't think it matters, I know there's a lot of there's a problem with millennials thinking. Whatever, go vote. Go vote this year. It's important. I know you might not be excited about it, but you're not voting for Santa Claus. You're voting to not end the world. That's what you're voting for. So go vote. That's a good point. Don't don't pull out some third party bullshit. Like I'm gonna go vote for this guy because I kind of like him and know him, and he's not the other. Or if you just don't want to vote because you're not excited, you're not. You got to vote no matter. It's not about voting for the thing you're most excited about. You know, or whatever it is, it's about voting for what you feel is right. So, no matter what it is, go vote. So. Vote for what you feel is right, but vote for something relevant. Yeah. <laughs> and we're we're obviously kidding about a lot and of now, this. Now but now our do PSA vote. is over. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, Zach. End Take it. us out, <laughs> bitch. And we'll see you next time. And Twitter. Well, until next. Why well, you can find me at Andrew underscore oh, Curry. That's C U R I E. You can find me at Obeans. That's O with an H. Beans with a Z. You can find me at Wookie Jumper forty two. You can find me at at R E Kilgore K L G O R E. You can find us, yeah. At Eduardo CF nineteen eighty nine. Eduardo. And until next time. Bye. See you guys.